Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We're going to talk a little bit about parenting, and I I know that not everybody in the crowd has kids at this point. Uh, You may have kids that have grown up and are gone, or you just haven't been able to do that. Uh, Our hope is as we go through this that you'll find some nuggets of truth that you can apply in your own life um, about your relationship with your Heavenly Father, as well as, um, let's face it, you know, the people we work with, sometimes they need to be parented a little bit too. And so uh, we might have a couple things that might just help you with your overall relationships as well. Um, We don't have any like real big silver bullets here. Um, Parenting is, I I call it a thinking man's game. Uh, You have to kind of stay on your toes and kind of be aware of the context of what's going on and be willing to change a little bit as you go. And uh, our goal is to be a good parent. Uh, Not necessarily a great parent, not a perfect parent. Those don't really exist, but a good parent. Well, so, million dollar question, what what do we consider a good parent? All right, a a good parent. Um, One that is involved, involved in the life of your kids, um, knowing what's going on. Um, Sometimes as the kids get older, they don't necessarily seem to want you to be involved. How many of you guys have had middle schoolers or high schoolers that kind of like, what are you doing in my life, right? Um, But it's an important thing to to stay involved, to to keep connecting. Being a good parent also means you're deliberate. Um, You kind of know what your end game is, where you're heading. Um, Sometimes it's really hard, particularly in those early years, not to be caught in the weeds and just uh, not be able to see where you're heading, but look ahead. And then the big one, um, having a healthy authority over your kids. you know, sometimes we see parents who are trying to be their kid's best friend, and they, they can have friends, they really need a parent. And a parent has a healthy authority, kind of establishing that. And we'll get into why that's so important with our, our heavenly authority as well. Um, there is a, a scripture that I love to share, if we can. Maybe I'm not doing it right. Well, it's uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 7. There we go. Go back one more slide. They were awesome. And uh, I think this is really important to think in terms of parenting. Um, This particular piece was something that Moses was giving uh, to the Israelites. If you don't have a Bible with you, go ahead and raise your hand, and one of these gentlemen will give you one, and you can follow along, and you can see the page to turn to. Um, This particular little section um, in Jewish circles is called the Shema, and it's the beginning of um, kind of a daily prayer that is said. And it just starts out this way. It says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is alone. And you must love the Lord with your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That's probably pretty familiar to you. It continues on and it says, You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. And then here's kind of a quick thing that I think God gives us, kind of a a view of how you can do parenting. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. And those four different times of the day give four different windows into a child's heart, four different opportunities to share truth in a way that they may be able to hear it. So in the morning, you give encouragement for the day. 
That's the positive side, helping them to see where they're going and to be a blessing for others. When you're on the road, uh, we spend a lot of time in cars nowadays with our kids. That's just a great time to, I, I mentioned God sightings last week. Uh, spend some time and see where God shows up and what they see and, and just ask them about things. When you're home, that might be a chance to do a little bit of instruction. And when you get to bed, bedtime's a special time where often their heart is opened up in a way that um, doesn't show up the rest of the day. And you get to peer in and kind of see where they're at emotionally, how are they connecting to things, and at that point, you're just really listening. But those four phases, if you're involved and deliberate in that time, can pay huge dividends. Um, sometimes people look at, at kids' ministry as the way to raise their kids to connect them to God, right? And it is a great resource. But realistically, um, Kelly and her team have your kids for maybe 30 to 50 hours a year. That's it. And yet, um, the average parent, um, working a job and everything else, has somewhere between 1,800 and 2,800 hours a year available to your kids. You may not use all of those hours, I get it, but that's a huge difference. And so you guys are really the ones that can make the impact. Kelly, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family and yeah. parenting from your yeah. direction. Um, a little bit about me. I grew up in a very traditional Christian home. My mom, my dad, my sister. Um, it was a large, loving, extended family. Everything was pretty normal. And then I grow up, Mary Titus, who is kind of everything <laughs> different from that. His family looked, leaped before, leapt before they looked. They lived all over the world. And these two kind of cultures collided, and we started uh, this adventure of our life together. And then... Um, we had Silas, and he was one kid, super normal, nothing out of the ordinary. And then when he was about 22 months, I found out I was pregnant with twins, which was super exciting. My grandma was a twin, she, my aunt and uncle were twins, and I was the next generation of twins. And it was, it was super exciting. At about 23 weeks into that, I found out myself and the girls had a condition called twin-twin transfusion, which meant I had to be on bed rest for the remainder of my pregnancy, which bed rest is not easy for anyone. But if you know me at all, I'm not a rester by nature. <laughs> I, I like to be going, like to be doing. But, um, but I'm also not a let's do things in multiples type person. I'm also not a let's just be crazy and see what finds out type thing. So everything about the twins, a little guy at home, a busy husband, and, and, and you get it. None of that really fit into my type A mold. And, but, you know, what I have to ask myself, and you can ask yourself, is twins, no twins, old kids, young kids, the struggle to have kids or not, none of that really is probably how, how we picture our life. And frankly, our series is called Who I Want to Be, but do you ever think who I thought I'd be? For good or ill, we have this tendency, I think, to, to take, make a box, put our expectations in it, and then be surprised when God does something outside of the box, right? And so that's, I think, when I think about kids, probably the biggest realization that I've come to over the years is that God gives us kids to reveal more about ourselves than we ever dreamed we would. Um, that while parenting our children, he's going to reveal what I value most. And so I would put that question back at you. What are, what are the answers to what you would value most as a parent. And I, and I would propose there are two sets of answers. Um, let's think through the, the Jesus answers, if you will, or the right answers. 
um, that we want our kids to grow up and love and know Jesus, that we want them to have a heart for others, that we want them to learn to speak with grace and truth and kindness to those around them, that we want them to learn the importance of hard work and patience, um, to learn the hard lessons of disappointment, that there are going to be disappointments, and then lean into God um, for, their, for their help. Um, that they would learn to obey because God desires it, not just because mom or dad said. That um, they would learn to show self-control because it's a fruit of the Spirit. So those are what we value, right? Like, but here's the thing. I find most times in my parenting, what's happening? I'm cracking a lot, so should I take this off? I talk with my hands, that's the problem. So um, what I've observed in my own life, though, is that sometimes my actions reveal that I value other things way more. Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so what are some of the things that um, sometimes motivate us to do yeah. parenting that isn't necessarily the Jesus answer? Right, right. So here are the things that I, I sometimes value oftentimes. My kids are in this service, so I'm, they're really going to hold me to this, <laughs> but value peace and peace at all costs, really. Um, sometimes my actions demonstrate that I value quiet. I don't care what's happening as long as it's quiet. Um, that I value calm. Just can we be calm? Ease, like path of least resistance. Let's just whatever it takes to get it done. Um, a quick fix. Sometimes I value more kids that just get it. Why can't you just get it? Or um, kids that make me look good as a parent. And that one's, ugh, to even say it out loud. And then kids that value what I do, right? <laughs> like, yeah. do you notice? Do you notice? So, and are those things necessarily inherently bad? No. But here's the trick, is when those values replace the values from our first list, that's where the breakdown occurs. And so one tool that I've used, not just in parenting, but across the board, because the Christian life is full of two competing values, right? God's values and then what our heart just draws to naturally. So these two questions, if you put them up on the screen, kind of are a good litmus test. The first one is, is this an idol of my heart? Is this something I value? First ask yourself the question, do I sin when I don't get it? So put that in a parenting moment. I'm not getting calm, peace, ease. What sinful thing will I do if I don't get that? And then conversely, do I sin in order to get it? What part of my parenting, what value do I put so far above what God's trying to do in my life and my kids that I'm willing to lose my stuff and let loose in order to accomplish some of those temporal goals? So that's, that's one. Now, that's a per, those are personal questions, but obviously God's word is the best test of that. So if you put Psalm 93 on the screen, and I'm going to need it because I don't have it on my notes, but let's look at this together. It says, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established from long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. And 
You may be thinking, well, that's not a typical parenting verse, but it's kind of the psalmist's poetic, beautiful way of saying, there's a God and you're not him, right? And sometimes that can, needs to inform our parenting as well. So there are three just recognitions from that that I wanted to draw out quickly, that there is one ultimate authority who rules over this world and he knows what's best. Second, that the one who is the ultimate authority has communicated to me how I should live. And he's communicated how you should parent, how your kids should live. This is not just something we have to make up. Um, And then thirdly, we live in a world of moment-by-moment temptation. The first two would be easier if the third wasn't a reality, right? Our kids, our families are bombarded with temptation every day. So if all of these things are true, then they, they have to affect our parenting. And what I tell, what I've learned and what I share a lot when I talk about parenting is we can't make our kids love Jesus. That's, that's not our first job. Our first job is to provide an environment that points our kids to Jesus, that shows them that we know God is our authority, that we love him, he loves us, and we're going to demonstrate that to our kids because that's going to draw them in their hearts ultimately to Jesus. So how do we do that, right? Well, that's like a 10, 20, 40-week series. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one quick illustration Um, This is not my own, but it was one, I went to a parenting class when the twins were six months old and Silas was almost three, and this is what um, a good friend shared, and it would appear to be two paint sticks glued together, and it is. It also appears to be a greater than or less than sign, but for today, it's a funnel, okay? And the phrase I would like to stick with you is parent within the funnel. So, so many times, if you picture it with me, Our kids are young. We give them all sorts of freedom. You've seen it. You've observed it. We've seen it in our own lives. Kids have probably way too much freedom. You're thinking, oh, that two-year-old should not be doing that. Or, oh, I can't believe this is happening. And then we give them a lot of freedom, maybe that they weren't quite ready for, no clear boundaries. And then guess what we spend the next 18 years doing? We're trying to rein them in. We're trying to pull them back. No, 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 don't do that. Don't go there with that, friend. And so I'm not saying it's foolproof, but what I am saying is God's word, Luke 16, 10 says, he who is faithful in little will be faithful also in much. So if we flip that funnel around counterculturally from what everyone around us is doing, because God's word is countercultural, and we say, We're going to start small. We're going to give clear boundaries. You say no a lot when kids are little, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing because slowly, as they show themselves faithful and little, you can give them much. Sure, go hang out with that friend. That's cool. That's good. That'll work. But if they're running amok here, it's going to be harder to give that freedom in the future. So that's, that's kind of my, my parent within the funnel thing. And you know what? The other cool thing about this is it can help determine some of those idols of your heart, some of those things that you value, because if you value ease, guess where you live? Because it's way easier to say, sure, go play your iPad for three hours. I got to get a lot done. And then they're 15 and you're trying to get them off their phone. Well, what did you let them do forever here? Because it was easier to do that, right? And intentional parenting flips it on its side and says, it's going to be harder work for me. It's going to be harder work for you but it's going to pay off in the end. If you haven't been kind of parenting in the funnel, giving them age-appropriate boundaries, options, all that, 
Do you have any advice on how to start right. to be in the funnel? You know, it's interesting that you asked that because when I was in that class, somebody asked her that. And part of it, she was just really honest. She said, have a conversation with your kids and say, hey, <laughs> we've been living here. Guess what? We're going to live here. And just say, there are some things. Because here's the, the question that I often like to ask parents is, that, that tantrum... And tantrums happen. I'm not judging on tantrums, but that tantrum at three, what does it look like at 16? (laughs) Right? And they have them. They just look different. But what does it look like? So even if it's hard, it's harder to draw a line in the sand later, but it'll be worth it. But your kids are older. They know. You can't just do it without a conversation. So communication, relationship is key. Sure. I I once got a fortune cookie that said, he who rides a 12-year-old tiger finds it hard to get off. Yeah. And that's kind of the case, you know, if, you, if you're outside of that funnel for a long time, yeah. um, when they need to be in the funnel on important things, it's, yeah. it's hard to change yeah. that. Yeah. 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 So, what parenting style is about, a little bit about me. What about you? Let's see. I have, um, I have six kids, um, 25, 23, 21, 19, and two twin-year-old, twin, 10, 11-year-olds. <laughs> twin 11-year-olds. <laughs> wow. Um, and Stephanie and I, when we first got married, we were some of the first in our kind of our peer group to get married. We got married somewhat young. Um, and we were also the first to have kids. And so, um, we thought we knew what we were going to do. So we had everything kind of planned out as it were. Um, we were going to do cloth diapers. We were going to, (laughs) Stephanie was going to breastfeed. There was going to be no formula, that sort of thing. So when our first one was born, um, I was at Walmart within 24 hours buying a bunch of junk. <laughs> and we kind of figured out this wasn't going to work. Um, but at the same time, we had been around kids for a long time. And so, we, again, we thought we had a clue, right? And um, our first, Sean, um, we did a bunch of things that kind of created a little bit of an issue, right? He was our guinea pig. We learned a lot on Sean. He's a great guy now, but for a while it was very unclear how it was going to work out. And um, some of the, the pieces were, you know, even when he was the first couple weeks home, um, we, we, he, he wouldn't stop crying. And we reacted to everything. And so uh, for about the six, first six weeks or so, I slept in the bed, he, we had a bassinet on my side of the bed, and I slept with my finger, and he sucked on my pinky all night long. <laughs> and every morning, you know, you can just imagine, I kind of carried it with me all day. And uh, when he was 14 months old, he still hadn't slept through the night. And that was totally parent-caused, um, because again, we reacted to everything. And at that point, Stephanie was pregnant with our second, and she cried. She's like, how are we going to make it? <laughs> how are we going to keep our sanity? And so um, we decided that po- at that point, we definitely needed some help and started doing a bunch of parenting classes. And in that process, we realized that we were part of it was we were parenting from two totally different perspectives. Yeah. So what, in those perspectives, what sort of styles... Did you learn you had, or you've seen another? You bet. Um, I kind of think of it as there's, there's two main sty- styles of parenting, and then kind of blend in between. And one style um, I call the uh, authoritarian style, right? That's kind of the my way, the highway sort of thing. Um, I'm in charge as the parent. Kids got to just fall in line, period. 
Um, there's some benefits to that, of course, but the negative is, is uh, being so heavy-handed, never thinking about context, never really considering where, where the child is at the moment, that can cause a huge amount of resentment. Um, and that doesn't work long-term, because what you end up with are kids that on the, outs- on the inside, or sorry, the outside, they behave great. On the inside, they are just waiting for their moment to be free and rebel, right? And some of you are nodding your heads, maybe that was your own life experience, right? Um, on the other side is what I call permissive parenting. That's kind of the everything goes to make the child happy, right? So that style, you're always doing anything you can just because the, co- the child needs to be the center, needs to be just taken care of. And so um, the problem with that is you got, you got a kid that's, that's happy and everything, but on the inside, no self-control. Um, nobody, nobody else really matters. They don't know how to be a blessing. And so when they grow up, they become the, the crazy people that, that no one wants to be around after a while. And so neither one of those works. And Stephanie and I realized that I came from an authoritarian background. That's kind of my family. Um, definitely more of the here's the rules and that's it. Stephanie was very much like, a, hey, you want a cookie for breakfast? Go for it. You know, that's fine. And the two of us, we really didn't talk through that or figure it out. Um, I think there's, in the middle, there's a, a better ground, and, and I call it deliberate parenting. And deliberate parenting is really about, again, thinking about the long-term aspects. Um, Stephanie and I sat down and we said, here's the things that are important to us. We want a kid who, who can find out who God is and has a healthy respect for their Heavenly Father. So that was one of the key things. We want some, a, a child who can think about the preciousness of others and be able to be a blessing to other people at all times. And so that's a big thing. And then self-control, being able to, within reason, and depending on the funnel and where they are in, in their age, be able to take a no every once in a while and be okay with that. Uh, be able to, to sit quietly at dinner, um, those sort of things. And so uh, we kind of threw through a bunch of things. We started teaching parenting classes as well. And uh, I, I have three big C's, I call them. Character, context, and consistency is kind of the style. And it's that deliberate thing. So character, thinking about our kids' character all the time. How can we help them along? Um, when our boys, our first two boys were about five and three, um, somebody asked us, what do you want them to be like when they start dating? Right? Do you think about dating with a three-year-old? Not so much, right? But part of that deliberate thing was thinking through where we're heading. And so one of the things we said was, well, we want Sean to be the kind of guy that shows up on time, um, gets out of the car, goes to the door, you know, hits the doorbell, looks dad in the eye and can shake dad in the hand and say, when would you like your daughter back? Um, Takes his date, opens doors, is polite, gets her back on time, all of those things. And so you start breaking that down and you say, well, hey, we can start that, right? Even with a three and a five-year-old, um, opening doors for mom. And, and at that point, they started having sisters, opening their door for the sister. Um, being able to look somebody in the eye and shake their hand, right? That's a skill that is not easy for a four or five-year-old, but it's important to get started. And so you just kind of th- start that. So that's, that's the character side. Um, the next one is context, being able to just understand. There's times where we can parent and there's times where it's difficult, right? Um, there are conversations that I have with my kids that I don't have in the lobby of the church, even though maybe I need to sometimes, right? And so thinking about that context and working through it. 
And then the last one is consistency. Um, if Stephanie and I are parenting completely different from each other, kids are wise, right? They catch on to that. They know who to ask at the right moment to get what they need. And so being consistent is really important to make sure that you, you have a plan and you stick to it, right? Um, and the context part works into that. You know, sometimes we have to alter the plan. So we're not consistent at the moment, but long-term we are. And again, it's really about focusing on the heart of the child, putting that heart condition above their independence or even sometimes their self-confidence. There's a lot of times where we really put kids nowadays, we want their self-confidence to be high, right? And the reality is it's better for them to be able to be self-monitoring and kind of be confident inside just of who they are and who they are in God than being able to just, you know, always feel good about themselves. Because the hard things, consequences, bad choices, good choices, those are where we learn and we grow. And if we shield our kids and ourselves from consequences all the time, we don't grow. Right. Um, it takes a little bit of measured pain sometimes, yeah. and you can define what measured pain means to yourself, <laughs> um, to be able to grow and to learn. Um, there's, you know, have you guys heard of helicopter parents, right? Helicopter parents, those are, tend to be a little more on the permissive, everything for the child. I'm going to set everything up. Um, as your kids get older and they go to college, most colleges now have a special um, part of kind of the admissions mm -hmm. and sometimes the dean's office, right, called parent relations, okay? Sounds really good. That is basically an anti-aircraft battery for <laughs> helicopter parents, okay? They are basically there to tell parents, your child is now a college student. They are now starting to be adultish, right? <laughs> and learning, and you can't call the professors and have them change grades. You can't call to set up work-study programs. That's your child's business now, right? And so it's kind of interesting how that has become such an issue that colleges have this whole group just for that. And wouldn't it be better if we just, as parents, figure out how to have our kids be that self-independent because of their character, not because I manipulate everything around right. them? I remember my dad made me do my own taxes. I was... 14. I had just been babysitting and it wasn't online. Then he wouldn't even tell me where the IRS office was. I had to look it up, go nice. find the paper thing and fill it out. So yes, he was, yeah, he, yeah. was he was following your advice. I didn't you appreciate it. You didn't appreciate it at the time? <laughs> no, no. We never do at the time, do we? No. Um, I think you can gauge the health of a family in a couple times of the day or a couple things they do. One is how they are in the grocery store, right? If you have kids that can go to the grocery store self-controlled, then you know you're okay. Um, the, the dinner time, dinner time tells you a lot about how the family functions, right? Um, my family, I had to eat everything on my plate regardless of how long it took me, right? A little authoritarian. Stephanie's, oh, you don't like what you want? I'll make you something different, right? <laughs> tells you a lot about your style. Uh, bedtime, how that was, and then particularly as your kids get older, morning time. You know, do you have to go out and basically flip the bat mattress over to get the kid going? Uh, those sort of things. So I think if you gauge those, they're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So how would a parent of a toddler or an infant um, navigate the grocery store well? Huh. I wish I had included a picture. 
when the twins were little, I had one in a basket. I, I, you couldn't even see me. It was the, bas- the carriers were over my head, and Silas was in an attached thing. And, and I tell you what, we did a lot of... Um, I, I have a, some training in special ed, and so in special ed we call it a social story. And I did a lot of social stories basically preempting. We would be in the car, and I'd say, everybody look at mommy's eyes. <laughs> We, these are the, and I would say, we are going to, and I would lay through, we're not going to scream. We are going to use our manners. We are going, you know, and, and it sounds silly, in it, but I tell you what, so many times, it's kind of like this expectation. We, with God, with everything, we have expectations that we don't communicate, and you'd think, oh, I told him that two weeks ago when we were at the grocery store. There too. They need a reminder right before they go in, so a lot of pre-teaching. Um, the other thing is this intentional, you know, parenting here, this, there were times that I left a grocery cart full of groceries by the lady at the front and said, will you watch this? Need to head to the car for just a second. And I would leave a cart of groceries and go parent my child, children, in the, in the car. And you know what? especially people that work in retail and grocery, they would love to watch your cart so that you could parent your children. I think that would be a welcome change of pace. And so, so all that to say, you can choose that, not choose that. But those things are not convenient. They're not easy. They're not a quick fix to haul them out, discuss this however it needs to be handled, and to come back to it. So, so yeah, be creative, talk ahead of time. I even had, um, we, we'll get to this and I'll set you up for it, but I had a more of a, we started with five pennies, and we really wanted at least one penny at the end so we could ride the horse because it was a penny to ride the horse. And so poor choices, we'd, we'd lose a penny. And so there were, there were some tangible things, but those were not coercive. Those were not manipulative. And there were times we did not ride the horse. It wasn't like there was always a penny in the hopper. Okay. So, so yeah. So, so that would be that. So then I guess if I could flip that back on you now. Reward sure. system, maybe you could speak a little bit to that. If you do this, then I'll do this type yeah. parenting style. So. Uh, there's, uh, there's been a lot of, of, of different parenting advice out there about doing kind of the reward system, right? Um, and grocery store, for instance, you know, if you're really good on the way out, I'll buy you a candy bar, right? Um, there's another word for that kind of parenting. Does any, anybody know what it is? <laughs> Bribes. Yeah, you guys got it. It's a bribe, right? Um, and the problem with, with that sort of thing is it only works if everybody involved knows about it, right? right? So as your kids head to school, do the, parent, do the teachers know about it? Um, do their friends know about it? When they go somewhere else, does everybody else know about it? I mean, and it just doesn't work. It's a way, again, of controlling behavior, but it's not a heart thing. And so um, what we used to do instead, um, we did a lot of the same thing, pre-teach as well talk ahead of time. Um, it's okay sometimes to surprise your kids with the candy bar, right? You get to the end, and they've been great, and you say, hey, you are awesome today. I want to get you something, right? And you get them something. That's great. It's when it becomes an unwritten contract. I act this way, and you give me this, that it's a bribe, and that just doesn't work. Um, some of the other things that don't work as well, the opposite of you will be good in the grocery store or else I will beat you within an inch of your life, right? What else do we call that? We call that a, a threat, right? <laughs> Threats don't work either. Um, 
for a lot of reasons, but partly is sometimes I see it all the time. And when you see me in the grocery store from now on, don't, don't shy away, okay? I'm not, <laughs> not judging your family. But um, the problem with threats is they only work if you follow through. And so many times parents are like, I'm going to do this, you know, you're going to lose whatever, you're never going to get out of the house again, um, and, and they just don't follow through at all. And so it's much more important to have a logical consequence, right, um, that when they go through and something doesn't go right, that you just set it up, that there is a consequence, but it's, it's something you're willing to follow through and, and do. Um, the same with like counting to 10, you hear that a lot, right? I'm going to count. When I get to one or whatever, you're, you know. So what do kids do, right? I mean, kids are natural gamblers, right? <laughs> they are going to go right up to the line as close as they possibly can and dangle their feet over the edge, right? So that never works, the counting thing, because you watch it, and they have 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. When do they ever re- say, when do they do it, right? One, <laughs> two, one and a half, I don't know, somewhere in there, right? This one. So, so don't do that, just... Say things what you mean and expect it, right? Stop doing that. They don't stop. Okay, there's a consequence. We're leaving the grocery cart. Sorry, we're going to go home, right? Or whatever it is. Be that sort of parent. That's good authority, right? Right, right. Um, what about establishing a morning or bedtime routine? What? Right. Well, I can't answer this with a straight face with my husband sitting there, but bedtime, man, that is his deal. I'm at the point where I'm like, good night. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, and I think other moms can, can sympathize, but um, no, we, there is structure, even in the fact that that's what he does. There's structure, there's knowledge that that's what's happening. I firm believer that a good morning routine is established the night before, you know, you're prepared, you're ready the night before. And then, um, when the kids were young, we had pictures, we had checklists. You get up, you brush your teeth, you do, you know, you do. But um, leaving time for those to be learned, I think, is the biggest thing. So many times we want to instill a routine and then expect the routine to be followed. And we all want a little bit of grace, right? But we don't often want to extend it to our kids as they learn. So, um, so yeah, giving a routine, establishing a routine, working on it prior um, that's, that's a quick overview, but yeah, be prepared as a parent, you know, have, have things ready for them. It's, and that's the other thing oftentimes I find as a parent, I expect them to be prepared with things that I'm not necessarily prepared for them to do. So, yeah. Cool. Yes. And so one last question, I think for you that might combine two that we had here, sure. um, you know, a lot of us sitting in the room, maybe are looking back saying, oh, my kids are young or mine are further down this pendulum. How, how would you deal with some of the harder issues of maybe rebellion later in life or an estranged child or just some of the, the older um, child issues that are facing our kids? They, the, the temptations grow and change Definitely. with our children. Definitely. So, you know, if, if you start early with like the funnel that we talked about, it pays dividends long term. Mm-hmm. If you're not, haven't been in that funnel or you got some other things, um, as kids get older, it's all about relationship. And you, your role changes a little bit. Instead of, you know, when, you're, when you have a two-year-old, you are their self-control, right? You are in charge of making sure they stay in the right place and everything. When they become 18, or if you have adult children as well, you don't get to do that. You, your, your role transitions to much more of a coach. 
So, of course, prayer is a huge thing. Offering advice, knowing sometimes they're not going to follow it, that's okay. Um, but it's through relationship and doing everything you can to keep your relationship healthy and open. Um, when you have a middle schooler and they're dealing with stuff, middle school is a hard age, and uh, they're going through stuff, it's about relationship. Um, put that important. Relationship is more important than rules sometimes because that allows you to be in a position to continue to talk to them and have influence. Um, as they get older, be a nosy parent. Um, know what's going on in their life. Um, get to know their friends. Their friends have, you know, a huge influence on them. So get to know their friends. Make your house be the house that everybody wants to come to. A, you get to watch what's going on, but the big thing is you get to know their friends, and sometimes there's opportunity for you to speak into that as well. You know, um, not all kids are going to come from a, a home or an environment that's a great one. And so they, maybe you have the opportunity to step in and, and help be a parent, and at the same time where you're helping those kids, you're going to help your own kid too um, because they're, you know, the influences that you're providing are, are much better. Um, Parenting is, is a lifelong thing. Uh, some of you who are even older than I am, you have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. You know that you have different roles. And the best thing we can do is to constantly point kids back uh, to their Heavenly Father. The way that we were parented, the, the things that our parents were like, so often influence our view of who God is. And so that's the one thing I would say is also be tra as transparent with your kids as you can be and say, we're not perfect, we don't have this, but God does. And as much as possible, point them back. That is so, yeah. so important. Um, the end goal of parenting as well as evangelism and discipleship with people who aren't your kids, it's the same. And that is, again, to connect people to love God and to trust God. And so our, our goal is to kind of model um, kind of a little bit what Mary and Joseph did. Now, their, their kid was perfect. We know that. Um, but I think in, in Luke 2.52, if you want to throw that up real quick on the screen, um, this is kind of the end result we're looking for. Um, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. And that's what we're trying to do. Somebody who loves God, loves others, and is willing to make disciples. Um, and again, that's something we can do with our own kids, with kids around us, as well as just people we meet. It's the same thing. How would, how would you go about leading your child to Christ, since that's where we're trying to go? Be right. the spiritual authority and get right. our kids there. Um, an easy acronym for that is ABC. Child, adult, doesn't really matter at that point. But A, admit that you're a sinner. Children need to understand that they are sinners, that they weren't born beautiful and perfect. They are sinners. Um, B, believe that Jesus died for them, that he rose again, that he can be their forever friend. And then C, confess and then commit to follow Christ. Confess what you had done, commit to follow him as your forever friend in the future. And then the second thing I would say is with kids, kids like, they're participators by nature. And so there will be times where maybe coming off something exciting, they, they want to get saved. And that's a desire that you want to champion. One tip you can decide, you know your kid best, is to say, hey, talk to me about that in a couple minutes or in an hour or two, whatever. And 
you know your kid. If they're still hungry, they still want something, they'll come find you. And if this is truly something God, the Holy Spirit, is working in their heart and they're ready, they'll, they'll come find you. So I'm not saying discourage them, but that's kind of a, sometimes a, a test to see. Are they really interested in this? Or did their brother just tell them if they don't go find mom, they're going to go to hell? You know, that type thing. So there, there are siblings involved in this, and so that might be an easy way to, to, to determine that. Definitely. When, when I was... Uh... About four years old, my mom, there was a Billy Graham crusade on TV, and my mom pulled me into the room and had me listen to a little bit and then asked, do you want to accept Christ, right? And, of course, I said, sure. I had no idea what that really meant. Um, I said yes. I I said a prayer. And so from then on, I thought I was a Christian. Um, But the reality was I'd never really made that choice until I was in college uh, when I finally confronted who I was. And yet I kind of had this facade. And so... With kids, I would just suggest, again, don't, don't directly ask them, do you want to accept Christ, unless you know the Holy Spirit is leading you at that moment to do it. It's much better for them to say, hey, I want to accept Christ, and then kind of pray through them with it, for sure. Um, and, of course, you can't, you can't lead your kids to Christ unless you are with Christ, too. And so we're just going to leave you with this real quick. Um, it is so important in parenting Uh, to get help and that help is the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God the Father being in your life and helping you through Um, there's wisdom that they can provide in the moment that no parenting book no one else can ever provide and more importantly if you have Jesus in your heart you are open to being able to show them who their Heavenly Father is in a whole different way uh, by extending grace and patience and so if you have never done that before this morning, we just wanted to offer that as an invitation that if you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether it's for your parenting or just the fact that you need him in your life, um, right after the service under the two basketball hoops on each side, we're going to have somebody there that will be able to, uh, to spend a few moments with you and just pray. If you have some questions, you can get those answered. Um, this morning, actually in the next service, uh, during the next service, we'll have our base camp going on in a class down the hallway. So if you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus, you can go down the hallway and, and get your questions answered for sure. Um, so thank you, Kelly, yeah, for, thanks. Thanks for, letting me for do kind this. of sharing all this. Um, let, me, let me offer a prayer real quick, and then we'll do a couple announcements, and we'll be ready to go. So, uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for uh, allowing us the opportunity um, to follow you, that you're not a God that's far and distant, You're not a God that just kind of put things in motion and you're just standing back and kind of watching how the chips may fall, but you are actively involved in our lives. Uh, Jesus, I I also want to thank you for the opportunity you give us through uh, whether we have kids that we're raising, uh, whether around other people, whether we have a spouse, whatever it may be that um, you use those opportunities as ways for us to not only shine who you are to others, but a lot of times these environments like parenting really expose things that are going on in our own hearts and how we need to grow to grow closer to you. Holy Spirit, thank you for the way that you provide wisdom. There's times where I try to make the right choice, and the right choice isn't always the wise choice. The wise choice is so much better, and that wisdom really comes from you alone. Um, thank you, Jesus, that you chose to save us, uh, that you grew up <laughs> in favor and in stature with God and all people, so that you could be a shining example to us about how to live a life loving God and loving others. 
as well as following your Father's purpose and his will so that you would die on the cross for our sins. Jesus, thanks for allowing us to worship together, for us to learn and grow together as a, as a church body and as a family. And uh, thanks for loving us first. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless. Thank you.